I'm going to do my best to kind of get through this this morning, kind of a fitting message in some ways. We've been talking about partnering with God and how it requires investment. And uh, you know you're invested when you're in the military and you're in a conflict or arena of war, you're invested. It's easy to say for the person who's sending money or troops or prayers to, to say I'm invested, but when you're there, how many know that's investment, right? And that's the kind of investment that God's calling upon from every one of us. And just a quick plug for the Kingdom Builders Night coming up on the 23rd and at 7 p.m. And uh, I'll talk in much greater detail about that next week as we ramp up for it. But uh, we're very excited about some of the projects and things that God's putting together uh, for us to be involved in. It is going to be a great time, and, uh, and we don't want you to miss out on it. So make sure you're circling your calendar. We'll have tables for you, uh, that you can sign up for to become part of a guest. Other people will be inviting you maybe to come join them at their table. But it is going to be a great night. Um, we talked about partnership with God is taking responsibility, how it requires investment. And how uh, it's the best way to live. And then I talked about how responsibility, uh, partnering with God has taken responsibility. And how a true son or daughter cares as much for what they've inherited as the father who left it to them. If we're really going to be a true son or daughter, that's the way we're going to operate. And then we talked about the responsibility to serve. How God wants his church to be healthy, powerful, and effective. In order for that to happen, every member has to do its part. And then I talked about financial responsibility, how our tithe is our financial responsibility. And then a few weeks ago, I talked about financial investment. I talked about offerings. And uh, so I don't want to say too much more about that, except I ended with, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you haven't, didn't get a chance to hear that, then make sure you get a hold of it. So I want to start fresh this morning. I got a number up there on the screen for you, 28,837,920. Interesting number. What in the world is 28,837,920? 28,837,920. Well, what does that number represent? Well, it's a little less than the population of Canada. The population of Canada is somewhere around 36 million people, so it's a little less than that. So what does that number represent? Well, it's considerably less, though, than the 149.6 million kilometers of the sun. If you're ever wondering and curious, how far is it to the sun? Well, it's a lot more than 28 million kilometers. It would, it's 149.6 million kilometers to get to the sun. And it's way less than the $1.4 trillion of federal and provincial debt that we have in this country. That is a scary number right there. A hugely scary number. So what in the world does 28,837,920 represent? Well... If you're a Canadian, then the average Canadian is going to live 82.3 years. That's the latest from StatsCan. Uh, you're sitting here, turn to the person beside you, say you got 82.3. 82.3, that's the, the average life expectancy of a Canadian. For women, it's slightly higher. Bad news for the guys, it's slightly lower, all right? But I just want you to know, that is the average that, uh, Canadian life expectancy, 82.3 years. So if you're average, then you also sleep eight hours a day. How many here sleep eight hours a day? We don't have very many average people here. How many people sleep eight hours a day? Come on. How many sleep less than eight hours a day? Shame on you. You're killing yourself. You're going to... How many sleep more than eight, eight hours a day? All right. Well, there's a few lucky ones out here this morning. <laughs> 
Well, if you're an average person, you sleep eight hours a day. We have an incredibly above or below average, depending on which way you look at it, group of people here this morning. So, but if you're average, you sleep eight hours a day. That means that you're awake 16 hours a day by virtue of the fact that there's only 24 in a day. So if you're sleeping eight, then it means you're awake 16 hours a day. Does everybody understand that? Math not too complicated for anybody so far? All right. Well, that's good to know. All right. So anyway, then that means that 28,837,920 is the total number of waking minutes available to the average Canadian in your lifetime. So if you live the average of 82.3 years and you times that by the 16 hours a day times the 16 minutes that are in each hour and you multiply that out, it comes out to 28,837,920 minutes. If you're an average Canadian, that's how many waking minutes are available to you in your lifetime. That's how many you get. 28 million. I'm... I'm past the halfway marker on that, just so you know. I've, uh, I've crested the, the hill, and I'm eating up on the other side at this point. 28,837,000. And I know we don't think of ourselves in breaking down numbers that way, but this is basically what you have. Put another way, it's this. You have 960 waking minutes to invest each and every day, Right? You have 6,720 waking minutes to invest each week. And you have 350,400 waking minutes to invest each and every year. That's how many you get. And here's the beautiful thing, right? We're all given the same number. Now, some may be sneaking more in because they're sleeping less or having a few less because they're sleeping more. But as a bottom line, everyone with you, but everybody has the same clock. The sun comes up at the same time for everybody, goes down at the same time for everybody. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. Therefore, the available minutes is pretty much the same for all of us. We get 350,400 waking minutes every year to invest. Now, this is what <clears throat> exists for every one of us. And today I want to talk to you about investing our time. What does it mean to invest our time? Each of us has an expiry date on our lives, but if you're an average Canadian, then you're blessed with one of the longest lives on the planet. Did you know that? That 82.3 is, is a pretty high number. It puts you up in the, in the top, the top 5, 10%. You got a good number. You got a good gig going on here. It's largely a, a result of uh, low infant mortality rates in this country. It's largely a result of a fairly healthy uh, diet in this country, with the possible exception of a few of us who are getting a little more rotund than we should be. But the reality is we have health care, we have all kinds of things available to us that help each and every one of us to reach that 82.3 years. And many countries in the world don't have access to those things, so they end up falling fairly short of that 82.3. But if you're a Canadian, you're some of the most blessed people in the world. And uh, regardless of how many minutes that you have, though, the most important question is what do you do with them? It's not how many minutes that you put in, but it's what you put into the minutes that matters. How do you invest the minutes? I mean, you can go through life just existing, and your minutes will count down just like anybody else's. 
But what you do with those minutes, how you invest those minutes, is what determines the kind of life, the quality of life, and the impact that your life has on other people. It's how we invest what has been given to us that has the most important influence on our world. Amen? Are you tracking with me here so far this morning? Not talking too fast. In other words, the number of minutes you have is secondary to what you do with those minutes. And you all get to make choices every day of how you're going to spend your minutes. One of the precious aspects of being a pastor and being in pastoral ministry is that I have had the privilege of being there when numbers of people have slipped from this world into the next. Most people never really experience that, except maybe once or twice in their lifetime with a family member who is close to them or maybe a spouse that passes or uh, parents that pass before them. But as a pastor, we get to be there quite frequently at those types of things and uh, at those transition experiences where people are, are going from this life into the next. And I've, I've been in the, in the in a, and even if I wasn't there for the moment when they slipped beyond this veil into the next, I've been there with them in those last days. I've spent lots of time visiting with people who are, you know, uh, palliative and who know that their time is short. And so I've had the honor and the privilege of spending many, many precious minutes with those people. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that the experience of a saint passing is a very precious thing. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. It is something that, that God notices and takes note of. And to him, it's real special when somebody who knows God and loves God and, and is a saint of God and they pass from this life into the next, that, that's a, a precious moment to the Lord. That's something that is significant to him. And I've watched many saints pass peacefully into the waiting arms of their Savior. And I've had, like I said, many wonderful conversations as I've recounted the faithfulness of God and their lives and all the rest of us. And on occasion, I've had one of those saints lament to me that they have not invested more time into their spouse or into their children or into their grandchildren or into ministry or even into the kingdom. But you know what? I've never had a single individual that I've ministered to at the end of their life who has ever lamented the fact that they didn't work more. Not one time have I had somebody say, oh, I just wish I'd spent more time at the office. Not one. I just wish I had been away from my family more. I just wish that, that you know, I had, I had given more for my job so I had less time with the people that I loved. I've never encountered that yet, and I doubt that I ever will. Because the reality is, is that when we look at the investment of our time, there are things which are vying for our time which are necessary. I mean, it's necessary to show up for work and to be able to put food on the table and a roof over the head. I get that. It's necessary. It's one of those things that we all have to do, right? But your life is about more than those things. Matthew chapter uh, 6, right? Starting verse 25 down to verse 33. We were talking about this morning in the, the New Beginners class. But what did Jesus say? He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Is your life not more valuable than those things? Right? Who of you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? 
And the challenging words of Jesus are that the kingdom of God is about so much more than that. And yet, if you think about it, so much of what we fixate is on the things that Jesus told us really don't matter. We're obsessed about what our clothes look like or what, our, what, our, what kind of car we're driving or how our ha- house is, is decorated or, or you know, whether we get to be able to have all the cable channels that we want or anything else. And yet the things that really matter, if you were to pin that person down and say, what really matters to you? Well, my relationship with God and that other people will join me in the kingdom. And yet those things get so little attention. The things that get our attention are all the things that Jesus told us not to worry about. And it wasn't that he didn't, he was thinking, you know, oh, just stick your head in the sand and don't think about it. He said, no, your heavenly father knows that you have need of them even before you ask. So it wasn't like he was ignorant of your need for, for food and clothing and a house over your, a roof over your head and all the rest. But no, he knows that you have need of those things. But instead he, he culminates that whole discussion in Matthew chapter 6 and he gets down to verse 33. And he says this, but seek first, everybody say first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, everybody say all, all these things shall be added unto you. Do you see the the, the, the way Jesus was laying it out, right? Seek me first, he says. Seek my kingdom, he says. And his righteousness, and that word righteousness, the chaos that word is, is a legal word, and it, and it doesn't mean holiness, like many of us look at that verse and read it. It doesn't mean seek first the kingdom of God and to be a holy person, a righteous person. No, what that word means, it's a word that talks about alignment. It means to be in proper placement, proper alignment. So in other words, that verse is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and to be properly aligned with his kingdom. That would mean with his values, with his principles, with his investment or his desire for you to use your time. And then all these things will be added unto you as well. What he's trying to get across to us this morning is that if we would align ourselves with him and with what's important to him, then he'll take care of everything else. Am I making any sense to anybody here this morning? So, this is what I believe what God is calling us to do. When you view your life in the light of eternity, have you invested your life in the things that are eternal in nature? Have you invested your things in the kingdom of God? Now, how do you figure out a way through this? How do we navigate this investment? And this is kind of what I got thinking about. Where do you start then? If you're sitting here this morning, say, okay, you're right. I don't want to be that guy laying on my deathbed saying to myself, I wish I'd invested more time in my family or my friends or my relationships or my loved ones or even in the kingdom of God. I wish I'd done more. How do I, how do I get kind of a baseline? How do I figure out how to put this in order? How do I get this thing figured out? I think we do it in a very similar fashion to how we do it with our finances. I think the place to start is to invest ourselves uh, in a way where we take advantage to what is available to us. Did you know that we have more free time as a society available to us than at any point in history? It's true. That if you look back, even a hundred years, our forefathers spent all day. Everybody say all day. All day. Do you know what they spent their day doing? They spent their whole day working to do one, two things. Food and shelter. 
Most of them were agrarian, they're farmers, and they worked from the time they woke up in the morning till the time they went to bed at night, making sure they had enough food for the winter, harvesting it in the, in the, in the fall, and sowing it in the spring, taking care of it all summer long. Everything was devoted to just simply taking care of business so that you could exist. Free time? They were like, well, free time was, son, come with me out to the field this morning. We'll have a conversation while we, while we uh, reap the harvest. You know what I'm saying? But our society, man, we got so much time thrown at us that we invent ways to fill it up. Seriously, we do, we invent ways. And uh, we haven't even had the opportunity to do this as a, as a race until after the Industrial Revolution. But after the Industrial Revolution, we began to start realizing that we could commoditize certain projects and certain products and we could divest ourselves into more specialized things and trades. And so now we have a society where a very small percentage of the population takes care of the rest of us, raising all the food and all the rest of it, right? I mean, how many here are farmers? <laughs> One, right? You see what I'm saying? All the rest of you are, are living off of the efforts of a small percentage of people. And it all gets harvested and processed, or sent, sent to your grocery store, and you just walk in and ching with your card, tap, or whatever it is you do, and take the stuff home and throw it in your fridge or your cupboard, Right? And so we have found other ways to, to function and serve. And all of those ways that we work, very few of us need to work more than 40 hours a week. Notice I said need. We need to work, you know, more than 40 hours a week. No. Most of us, uh, 40 hours a week will take care of all of it. Whereas our forefathers, man, they worked twice that just to put food on the table and a roof over their head. Right? Are you hearing me this morning? So... How do we sort this thing through? All right, here we go. May I suggest that we start with a tithe of your time? With a tithe of your time. Okay, so now, what would that look like? What would a tithe look like? A tithe of our time. Well, 96, that would be how many minutes a tithe of your time would be. Roughly an hour and a half. If you were to take your waking minutes that we talked about earlier, it was 960 a day, right? So if you've got 960 a day, a tithe of your time, a tithe would be 96 minutes or roughly an hour and a half. You take an hour and a half and you could tithe that to the Lord. Or how about 672? Well, that would be how many tithe minutes you could give to the Lord in a week. All right? Is this starting to shape up? You get what I'm saying? Uh, in a year then, that would be 35,040. If you were to take this principle, I'm going to tithe of my time to the kingdom, then, and that's where I'm going to start. Everybody say start. I'm going to start with that. Then you would be tithing 35,000 minutes a year. How I many would I get? That's starting to add up, right? And then what would that look like in a lifetime? That would be 2,883,792 minutes in a lifetime. That's if we decide to tithe it. If we decide to tithe on our time, invest it for the Lord. That's what you, you would have the opportunity, just a tithe would be 2,883,000 minutes in your lifetime. yippee ki hey, that's a lot of minutes. Someone say, amen, pastor. So now I say starting with a tithe, starting with a tithe. Well, why do I say starting with a tithe? Because the reality is that this is going to be, you know, a very different thing for different people. And starting with a tithe is, is it helps us to put it, break it down in a tangible way uh, as we do with our finances. Whenever you break something down simply that way, it, it helps us. And uh, 
you know, the average person spends the majority of their time on their paycheck each and every week. The average person spends the majority of their time doing the same stuff, working on those things, building their careers, etc. So let's break that down. If you're a typical employee, you're going to spend 40 hours a week on your job. Yet the typical person is awake. Are you ready for this? If you do the 16 hours a day, you're awake 112 hours per week. And only 40 of them is spent at work. No, that can't be right, Pastor, because I know more than half of the hours I'm awake, I'm at work. No, probably not. If you actually go by that 16 hours a day, then literally 112 hours there are a week that you're awake. So that means that uh, the rest of your wake time, roughly 72 hours a week, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Uh, it's ours to invest. And uh, how do we invest it? Well, you know, we need to invest family dinners, and we need to spend time with our kids and help them with homework and, you know, take them to recreational activities and all that. All that's all good. Nothing wrong with any of it. But I think when we break it down this way, we begin to realize we have more of it than we think we do, right? Uh, there's a new thing on your, if you've got an, how many iPhone people have I got here? You got a few iPhone? Have you, how many have downloaded the newest operating system? You done that? So if you notice this new feature on there, they tell you how much time you're wasting on your phone. <laughs> have you, have you, has that thing started to convict you, right? Mine chirped at me this morning. I said, congratulations, you spent three hours and 18 minutes less on your phone this week than last. I'm like, I didn't spend three hours on my phone all total. What are you talking about? Three hours less. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And then I looked at him, okay, guilty. Then he realized all the stuff you do on your phone and then your face is stuck in that thing. Drives me nuts when someone comes over to your house and they spend their entire time looking at their phone. I want to jump up and grab that thing and throw it against the wall. I think when you're coming over to someone's house for fellowship, we should institute a new rule, have a basket at the door and you all just throw your phones in it. Anybody in? Come on. Just throw your phone in it. Throw your phone in it. You know, but I got important things to do. I got my fantasy football league. I got to pick my players every Thursday and make sure they're set for the week. You know, so that's Thursday's time right there. And then I got to search and see who's injured and who's able to play. And, and I'm not just in one league. I'm in two. So I, I'm committed, man. I got to, I got, and I do it all on my phone. I mean, I got text messages. I got emails. I got, I mean, you guys know what it's like. And then, you know, and then if you've got waiting time, if you're sitting in a lobby waiting for your spouse because she's in for an appointment, everybody knows you don't talk to people in the lobby. Instead, you play solitaire, <laughs> right? And, and so the phone just starts eating up your time. And this new feature, I think, at first I thought it was kind of a joke, but now I'm like, huh, I spent three hours less this week than I did last week. In my defense, last week I was in St. John's and I spent a lot of time shooting video and everything else. So that's why it was high. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> ah, you guys get the picture. You guys get the picture. So how should we invest this tithe that you're talking about, Pastor? Well, how do we invest it? What do we, we do with it? Well, you can invest it in prayer. Prayer is a good way to invest a tithe of your time. I would hazard to say there's not very many people here that spend 96 minutes a day in prayer. If you do, I am highly impressed. I have not went through a season where I've spent 96 day, minutes a day in prayer for even a week. That's an hour and a half every day. I'm not, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not either not that spiritual or not that organized, or maybe both. I don't know. But that's a big challenge, 96 minutes a day. So you could spend it that way. You could spend it in the Word. I'd get closer if it was the Word. I like to read. So I, I do get 
a lot of good Bible time in. I'm a, I'm a reader. How many readers we got here? Right? I, you know, the Bible is a fascinating book, and you can never read it too much. So I, I could, you know, take a tithe of my time. I start to get closer when I start thinking about the Bible, right, and reading. But I'm still probably falling short. And so then you can go, what about worship? Well, we like to put worship music on. My wife in particular, you can see her sometimes like a crazy woman in our backyard, walking around in the backyard underneath our gazebo with her hands in the air with the music playing. And uh, I think that's why she likes the high fences so the neighbors can't, you know, uh, uh, peer in on her while she's worshiping. We were, we were, uh, where were we that recently, Sherry, that uh, was it? No, it wasn't Nicaragua. It was since then. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, we were in Victoria. We're on vacation, and there's Sherry out there on whatever place we were staying. She's walking along the beach like this, you know, just worshiping the Lord. And so you can do that. You can spend that time in worship. You can spend it in sharing your faith. Someone say amen. amen. Some people get jazzed about that. They're like, yeah, I just can't wait to tell somebody else about what Jesus said to me last week or, or last month or, or what he's been doing in my life. And I encourage that. Share your faith with people. Uh, you know, uh, serving the body. Now, if you're like me, this one's easy. I can spend time serving people because I'm a doer. How many doers do we have here? You know, that personality type that, man, you just got to be doing something. And so it's easy for me to get out and to invest in people for, uh, you know, and I could justify, I could say, well, I've, I've given my tithe because I'm a doer. I'm, I'm doing. Uh, but you know what? The reality is, no matter how you choose to invest it, no matter how you choose to give, uh, of the time in blessing others and serving and sharing and worship and word and prayer, I think it's a good place to start. It's a good place to get ourselves God-conscious with our time. To become God-conscious. And when you become God-conscious, you'll become others-conscious. Someone say amen. You know, somebody said once, you know, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. And I remember C.S. Lewis saying that that statement is completely not even possible. It's impossible to be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. Because the more heavenly minded you become, the more you'll have the mind of heaven. And if you have the mind of heaven, you'll be a lot of good to everybody around you. Because the mind of heaven cares about the people around you. The mind of heaven cares about your neighbor, cares about love, cares about grace, cares about patience, cares about joy. So the more heavenly, truly heavenly minded we become, tapping into the mind of the Father, the more earthly good we will be. Amen? And so I, I encourage you, this is a place to start. Look at your life and say, you know, how much time am I genuinely spending that's not focused on me? That's not focused on me and just my, my family's immediate needs. How much time am I focusing on investing in, in the Lord or investing in the others the Lord wants me to reach and encourage? How much time am I investing? I think this is where we begin as we analyze our lives and we say, let's start with a tithe. And if we start with a tithe, if we start with looking at our life that way, and saying, what can I do? What can I tithe? Then we're going to see that we can produce an enormous amount of fruit for the kingdom of God. Because God is a God who's passionate about investment. Let me just finish with this. I, I started looking at investing, and, and investing of time and investing of money, of our finances in the kingdom. And I, I looked, went to Matthew chapter 13. It's an incredible chapter. If you just want to read about God's, his, his passion about investing, just read chapter 13 of Matthew. And this is what I discovered. You'll discover in Matthew 13, uh, verses 1 to 23, the parable of the sower. You'll discover in verses 24 to 30, the parable of the wheat and tares. You'll discover in 31 and 32, the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, in verse 33, the parable of leaven. Uh, then in and 44, the parable of hidden treasure. Then in 45 and 46, the parable of the pearl of great price. 
Then the, the parable of the net or the dragnet in 47 through to verse 50. You'll find all of these parables in there. Now, there's a statement that's made there, and it's repeated several times in Scripture, but it's made there, I think, in verse 12, and it says this, For whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, this phrase is repeated about four or five times uh, in the Gospels uh, and, and is, is one of the most bone-racking, shattering verses in Scripture. But it's always given in the context of investment either in the, sower, uh, the parable of the sower or the parable of the, uh, uh, the, the talents. It's given in that context. And it's given in that context because the, the verse can't be taken out of the context of investment. It is a verse that has to be placed in the context of investment. So what, we're, what Jesus is really saying, that for every, every one of us here has been given a certain measure by Christ. Right? Whether you consider yourself a one-talent, a two-talent, or a five-talent person, you've all been given uh, gifts and abilities and time uh, by God. And he's saying, for whoever has, all of us, uh, and, and more will be given and he will have an abundance. What he's trying to say there is, for everyone who has and realizes the value of what he has and invests it, more will be given to them. If you read it in context of all of those parables, that's what Jesus is saying. For whoever has and realizes what he has and invests what he has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, in other words, whoever uh, looks at what they have and doesn't recognize what they have and doesn't invest what they have, then even what they have will be taken away from them and given to someone else. This is a divine principle of the kingdom of God, and it's a principle of investment. Whoever has, recognizes what they have, and invests what they have, God will give them more, and they will have an abundance. But if you're one of those people who doesn't recognize what you have, and you just hold on tight to what you have, and you never invest what you have, and you don't understand the power of what you have, then even what you have, the devourer is going to be given permission, and he's going to come, and he's going to take it away from you. Are you hearing me this morning? Kingdom principle. And it's true for money, but here's the thing. It's also true for your time. If you realize how precious it is, and if you invest it well, then he'll give you more. How does he give you more? He gives you more because time wasters stop disappearing from your calendar. Things that, you know, don't break as frequently. You don't have to invest as much time in that. You have less problems and complications in your life. How many know that drama eats up so much of modern day life? And most of that drama comes from social media that y'all just ought to ignore anyway. I've actually had people become not friends anymore by think things were posted on Facebook. Honest to Pete. I mean, Facebook's a wonderful thing when you're overseas and I want to communicate with everybody back home. I can post it once and everybody sees it and it's awesome. But I can honestly tell you, you know, my wife uses it for the same thing. She communicates with people and uses it for encouraging and building up. And that's great. But if you start, if you even see yourself being tempted to going down the road to commenting on things and jumping into the drama, back away from the keyboard, people. Separate yourself from that nasty beast. It's a poor investment of your time. And you will find that the thief comes along and takes more and more time away from you and more and more time away from you until your life is spinning out of control. Drama. You know, it's easy to get rid of the drama in your life. Don't give it any fuel. Don't invest in it. Cut the thing off. 
guess what? Disappears, dries up really fast. Well, what, what if someone said something about me on Facebook? Well, I don't know. People could be saying things about me on Facebook all the time. I have no idea because I don't check it. I don't care. <laughs> what a great liberty. What a great liberty. You might all go home and say, Pastor, we're looking pretty fat in that suit today. Wasn't a good move to tuck the shirt in. I don't know, but, you know, I don't care, and I'll never see it, so it doesn't matter to me. Do you see what I'm saying? Amazing how you can just walk away from the drama and it has no power over your life, right? None whatsoever. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to pick on Facebook or social media. It can be a wonderful tool, but it can also be a wonderful uh, and powerful time waster, Right? And you just have to learn how to step away. Just have to learn how to step away. Just like I have to learn how to step away from the sushi buffet. It's challenging when you get there. And they just keep bringing that stuff out, Mark. Mmm. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so what does this parable tell us? And what does that statement tell us? Simply this. Jesus is very serious about investment. That's the bottom line of everything, folks. He's given you finances, he's given you time, he's given you an abundance of gifts and abilities. He's pretty serious about investment. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? That's the number one burning question that Jesus has for us. One day we're going to stand before the Lord and, and he's going to ask all of us to answer to him for uh, our, our faithfulness. And I used to think that means, you know, did I not sin, did I not do this? I think he's going to be much more interested in what did I do in investing my time and my talents and my finances for him. That's what I'm really going to have to answer for. Because you know what? The sin is all under his blood anyway, right? I'm able to stand before him because his, his blood already paid the price for my sin, past, present, and future, right? So when I stand before him, what do I have to answer for? I have to answer for what I've done with uh, the things that he's given to me. How have I invested for him? That's what I'm going to have to answer for. And that's what every one of you will have to answer for. You'll have to stand before God someday and you'll have to say, this is how I invested what you gave me. This is how I put it to use, Lord. This is what I did with it. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Praise the Lord. Father. Lord, we have coming up on uh, November 23rd, Kingdom Builders, and we've never done this before, so some of you probably have lots of questions, and uh, you're probably saying, I'm not really sure uh, that I understand everything about it, and that's okay. We've never done it before, so we're not really sure what it's going to look like when we get to the end of the road either. Um, we're kind of like Indiana Jones in the first movie where he says, they ask him what he's going to do next when the ark gets taken away and it's stolen on a truck and they're driving away. He says, I don't know. He says, I'm making this up as I go along. You know, sometimes I feel like that in ministry too. I feel like there's so many things coming at me that, that literally I, I'm, 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 we're creating and building it. We're like that commercial for that investment company where they're building the plane while it's already in the air. You ever seen that one? And, uh, and that sometimes I think is, a, is an image of what the kingdom of God's like, that we're building it while it's already moving. We're creating it while it's already in the air. We're finishing it up while it's already in process. And that's what we're doing. But in a nutshell, Kingdom Builders is, is about us uh, stretching ourselves beyond just taking you know, our, 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 ourselves and committing to a life of tithing, but is going beyond that and saying, Lord, how can I invest myself for the kingdom of God? And uh, we've broken it down in, into three categories of global projects 
and uh, uh, local ministry and next generation ministry. And, um, you know, generally looking at doing a 50-25-25. But it may vary. It may not be locked into that. Specifically depends because projects change every year. We got some pretty big projects. I was talking with Mike Bailey this past week, uh, back and forth with email, and, and we want to finish that, the orphanage uh, that they're working on the roof, and, and that's going to be about 20-some thousand American, about 30 grand Canadian. We've got over half of that, I think, already here as a house, but we're putting that forward as one of our projects. He also wants a tractor. He wants to, he wants to do some of that farming, and he wants to be more efficient at it, and he needs a tractor to raise uh, uh, the harvest and crops and stuff they need to do, and so that's going to cost about... Uh, 26, 27,000 American is going to cost about 35,000 Canadian as well. We're, we're putting these projects forward. And uh, we're, going to, we're, we're, going to, we're going to be unashamed in asking people to help support it and invest in it, even people that aren't necessarily church people. But some of it's going to be projects in here. We've got a, a, the worst kitchen of any church in, 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 in Belleville. What's that? <laughs> yeah, Tammy said it might be the worst in Ontario, but we're not, who's counting, right? But it's certainly the worst, I think, in Belleville. We need to upgrade our kitchen. Our, our kitchen is simply, uh, this section at the front where those plugs are up on the high on the wall, you see those there? There used to be a little kitchenette here when this was a lumber supply place. We took the cupboards out of here and moved them back there. That's, that's our kitchen, folks. That was built in the, those cupboards were probably installed here in the 1970s, and they looked like it. So, uh, and they've been moved and repurposed, and uh, our ladies have been troopers because they have... Uh, worked in that thing, and so have our men for our men's breakfast. We managed to cook in there every month and have not complained, uh, but it needs to be seriously upgraded. Seriously, uh, Sherry goes, no, we've complained. Uh, so it needs to be upgraded. So Kingdom Builders is going to look at that. We are also wanting to partner with some other partners in our own city. Uh, we're looking at Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria are going to be merging by 2021, I think, uh, into a super school. We've got, uh, we want to start investing in the school. Um, we want to start helping, uh, you know, it's easy for us to sit back and criticize things that we don't like, legislation that comes through for schools or anything else, but do they ever hear from us when we're not complaining? Do they ever hear from us when we're not complaining? If we want to, if we want to impact our schools, we need to be their biggest source of volunteers, the ones that are helping kids learn how to read, providing snacks for after school, uh, you know, investing in them. So we, we've got a couple opportunities to do that. Um, some of our Starbucks connection have had us connected with one school, and then uh, Katrina's been working at another school, and eventually they're going to be the same school, and we're just going to... Right? I mean, the opportunity is for us to invest in our city, and then to invest in our next generation. Uh, you know, we, we're just... This is what it's all about. So if you love... If you've been touched at all by these messages, and you, you want to learn how to invest your life, then be here for that night, that Friday night. It's real simple. You come, you eat some desserts, you hear a presentation, you... Yeah, you take a pledge and you go home and you, you smile and say, we're going to make a difference. It's that simple. And here's the thing. Then next year, when we get together for our Kingdom Builders uh, dessert night, it's going to be both looking for the projects for 2020 and celebrating what God did in 2019. It is going to be an awesome night. And uh, we're going to have some celebrating to do in the house as we see what God is pulling out of our lives and repurposing for his kingdom. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you today. We give you praise, and we give you glory and honor. Lord, we are going to get some serious work done in the next year. But, Father, we're able to do it because we know we're loved. We know, Father, you've already purchased us with your precious blood. We know, Lord, that, God, the sacrifice has been made on our behalf. And, Lord, we work uh, not 
for your grace, but from your grace. We're able to do these things because we've already been touched by your grace. We're able to serve and to invest because we've already been invested in by a God who loves us so much. And Father, we thank you for the the privilege and the honor of walking with you and serving with you and partnering with you to change our world. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have been awesome. What an awesome day. If you see somebody here today that was up at the front, go and personally thank them for their service to this country and bless them today. Let them know that they matter in your life and that you appreciate their sacrifice. Bless you. See you later.